0: Well, how's everybody doing this morning? Oh, what a wonderful start into February we're having. You know, I was saying uh, on Friday morning when we were gathered for prayer, I'm like, I think we've missed most of, most of winter, and I think it's, it's finally finding its, its last few, few days, you know, February's going to go pretty fast. It's a short month, and we're into spring. This has been a great winter. But, Father, right now, we just thank you We thank you for your presence in this place. We thank you for this time of worship we've been able to have, this time of prayer. And now we turn our attention to your word. We honor your word. We esteem it highly in our lives. And we ask Holy Spirit, take hold with us today as we open your word and bring revelation knowledge to understand and to be able to see your heart and your intentions and what you want for us so that we can walk in them, Father. We're not just here to be just hearers only, but as your word says, to be doers, to be able to take what's in your word and apply it to our lives and see things transformed in our lives that we could not do in our own. And so right now, we thank you for that, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, we're going to jump right back into our series on the book of Colossians. And here we are, this is week number five now that we're into, it, and we have not made it very far at all. And th- that's okay. We said we're going to take our time. We're going to we're gonna break down what we need to break down so that we can have a good understanding of it. And, you know, Pastor Robin said, while well, he was doing an offering last week, he said, you know, you should probably read the book of Colossians while we're going through the book of Colossians so that you can see and be like, oh, yeah, we talked about that. Or, oh, this is what's upcoming. Or, oh, I'd like to know a little bit more about about that. But he also said, he's like, you know, we spent a lot of time in other books, and there's a reason for that. Scripture interprets Scripture. And so when Paul makes a statement to the Colossians, it's most likely not the only time he said it. Or there might be things that he connected to it in the book of Ephesians, which we told you is the twin epistle of the book of Colossians. They cover pretty much the same content, just from two different directions. And so we could see a lot in the book of Ephesians. We look at the book of Thessalonians, first and second. Paul uses similar language in his writings. And so, yeah, we're going to spend not all our time in the book of Colossians. We're going to look and let Scripture interpret Scripture. Let's say this, your life experience doesn't interpret Scripture. We just have to be honest about that. Some people go, Well, I went through this. Well, we talked about that last week. Just because you went through it doesn't mean it was God's will for you to go through it, some of it is our own stubborn will. That said, I want to do this. And, and when we talk about the will of God, which is where we've been stuck for the last three weeks. In verse number 1 and verse number 9, where Paul says in verse 1, I'm an apostle by the will of God. Meaning it's God's plan and God's desire for me to be doing this. It wasn't my plan. It wasn't part of Paul's 10-year plan to be doing these things. You know, but God pulled him out of what he was in. He transformed him and he set him on a new course. But sometimes our stubborn will gets in the way. You know, some people say, well, God's got me going through things so that he can test me and he can teach me. That's against the word of God. James said, don't let any man who is tested or tempted say, I am tempted of God. When you're tempted and tested, you are drawn about by your own desires. And so James tells us exactly where those problems come from, and it's not your neighbor, and it's not God we look squarely at ourselves. And so we've been stuck at the will of God for three weeks, and we're gonna, I believe we're going to we'll be able to get through a few more verses this week and get into some different directions. But the will of God is important. It's not him saying, you have to do exactly what I say all the time. No, it's him shaping you and molding you, transforming you, and putting you on a path of blessing. That's what the the word thylema there that is the will of God, it's a word that means it's the purpose of God to bless mankind through Christ. And so when he draws you by his will in directions or into things, the purpose of it is to bless you, to lead you into the things that Christ Jesus has prepared for you to walk in. And so God's got good things for you. And the Bible says, He who did not spare his only Son, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? And so by his will and by his Spirit, he's drawing you in directions so he can bless you and get into your hands the things that Jesus has provided for you at the cross, at the death, at the burial, at the resurrection, and at the ascension. And so it's when he he draws you, in a direction. It's not to punish you. It's to bless you. And that has to be a radical shift that takes place in our thinking. When the Word of God says, do this and be this, it's to bless you, not to punish you. It's not to limit you. Come on. I was thinking about it this week that each generation has certain songs that get get into our culture as a society that tell us to be strong and independent and do what you want, do what you feel. I was thinking about one from when when I grew up. It says, if it feels good do it even if you shouldn't. Don't let people push you around. And I was thinking of the song of a generation that came before me, the Gen X's. Their song was, if it makes you happy it can't be that bad. Yes, it could. Just because it made you your flesh happy doesn't mean the end goal is going to make you happy. No, it's probably going to leave you miserable because the will of God is what leads you into his place of blessing and that you'll have what he said you can have and that you can be what he said you can be. And every generation has words like that. It's not unique to mine or yours. Everybody's got that mindset because the enemy wants you to think, I know what I'm doing. Come on, be honest. There's so many times in my life. I didn't know what I was doing but thank God I could trust God I could trust his word and I could step out upon the waters and be like God if you said go I go if you said stay I'll stay you said do this I'll do it. And so the will of God is not a punishment. And Paul said, I'm an apostle by the will of God. It wasn't my choice. And I think if you look at Paul's life, you'd probably say, yeah, it wouldn't be my choice either. He talked about his life and the things that he endured for the sake of the gospel. He's like, I've been shipwrecked so many times. I've been beaten with rods so many times. I've been whipped with the 39 stripes so many times. I've been left for dead. I've been marooned on an island. And he said, but I would gladly do it again. Because he wasn't doing it for his own benefit. And there was that one point in Paul's life where he said, you know, I kind of feel like I'd like to just go home and be with God. I'd like to go to heaven. He said, but nevertheless, I'm going to stay and I'm going to fulfill my course. I'm going to run the race that has been set before me. Why? Because that's where his fulfillment and his satisfaction came from. That I'm walking in the will of God. So it's not a punishment. And the will of God is not, we're just going over a few things to get us all on the same page again, right? The will of God is not something that's hard to decipher. It's not something like, oh, we never know what God's going to do or what he wants to do. No, Paul told the Corinthians after that statement that eye has not seen, ear has not heard, the things that, that God has prepared for those that love him. And we're like, oh, you'll just never know. Yes, you'll know. The next verse says, but God has revealed them by his spirit. And so you don't have to be like, I don't know, I don't know, I can't know. No, change your confession. I do know and I can see. Jesus said that the sheep hear his voice and they know the shepherd. And So you know his voice. Jesus said of the Holy Spirit that he leads and guides you into all truth. He shows you things to come and he brings things to your remembrance. So the will of God is not something that is unknowable and it's actually pretty obvious. There's the general will of God, which is the word of God. If you want to know what you should be and what your life should look like, go read the New Testament. Come on, and I've said this so many times. Major on what you've been called to. You are New Covenant believers. Read Book of Acts on as many times as possible. Major on the majors and minor on the minor. We can get great things out of the Old Testament, but we have to understand it through the cross of Jesus Christ and the work that he has done and who you are in Christ Jesus. Not everything the Old Testament said is for you. You can learn from it. But you have a different covenant. Come on, let's even say this, and people hate when I say this, but I'm gonna say it anyways. Not everything Jesus said is applicable to you. You gotta look at who he's talking about. A lot of the times he's correcting the Pharisees who were living under the law. Other times, he was preparing his disciples for the covenant which is to come. And you're like, yeah, that's for me. But not everything said was directly applicable to you. You can learn from it, but you're a new covenant believer. Spend your time in the epistles that were written to the church. And if you are a Christian, you're part of the body of Christ, which is the church. And so that's what's for you. The will of God is the word of God, and it will give you the general will of God. It'll give you the general basis that he's saying, I want all believers to be like that. And the Holy Spirit will lead you into the specific will of God for you. Just like Paul, he wanted to go to Asia, and the Holy Spirit said, no, don't go that way. So he thought, I'd go, I'll would go. i go to Bithynia. No, that's not where you're going. And then he came to Troas, and the, finally the Holy Spirit revealed to him in a dream go to Macedonia. And he said, I think the Lord wants us to go minister in Macedonia. And I always find that that's such a funny statement for me. He's like, no, duh. <laughs> you just had the vision in a dream. And now you're saying, I think that's what he wants us to do. And so he went and did it. You know, we look at the, uh, the, the uh, in the book of Acts, the, the apostles, the disciples, they said, it seemed good to us to send men with Paul and Barnabas. And then later when they were accounting, it says, it seemed good to us And the Holy Spirit, they realized that that understanding, that feeling was not just of themselves. They sent men with Paul. And there's a good reason why they sent men with him. When they got to where they were going and they delivered the message, Paul and Barnabas got in a fight. And they were going to go out on another journey together, and Barnabas said, hey, let's bring John Mark again. And Paul's like, no, he abandoned us on the last journey. We're not bringing him. And it caused a sharp dissension. And then from amongst those men that they sent with them, was Silas, who realized, hey, I'm here for a purpose. I was sent to this place for a purpose. Paul, I think I'm supposed to go with you. And Paul's new traveling companion was already there prepared because it seemed good to them. And so the Holy Spirit will lead you into the specific will of God, and the Word of God will give you the general will of God, and the Spirit of God will never violate the Word of God. I've heard too many people over the years say, Well, God told me to do this. And I go, Well, the word says something else. You're wrong. You know, we have one guy stand up one time and said, well, God told me I'm not supposed to give anymore. I'm like, well, that's fine if you don't want to do it, but don't say that that was God, because the word says, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give unto your bosom. And it says, with the measure that you put out, this is the measure which you'll return, which Paul lines up the same way. He He says, H1, give as you purpose in your heart. That's between you and God. And it says uh, that not of necessity or grudgingly, for God loves a cheerful giver. So if you don't want to give, that's fine, but don't tell say that it was God, because God's word says elsewhere. He says if you give sparingly, you'll reap sparingly. If you give bountifully, you'll reap bountifully. And the, you have to understand, he was not talking about the quantity there. He was talking about the obedience, because Jesus, he sat beside the treasury one time watching people give in their offerings. And it says a rich man came and he poured in a lot. And he had, there was a lot of fanfare. And then this poor widow came and put in her last mites. And Jesus said, whoa, this woman has given more than all. Because out of her poverty, she put herself into the hands of God, trusting that he would protect her and provide for her. And he says, this man is given out of his abundance. She has given with her heart. And so it's not talking about quantity, it's talking about obedience. If God puts something on your heart, you do it. And so this man said, well, God told me, no, we knew what was going on in his life. He was facing a lot of pressures, and his business wasn't doing well. It was his own desires that were saying that. So don't let your desires and the pressures that you feel be attributed to God, because the Word of God will not be violated by the Spirit of God, because John said the Word and the Spirit agree. Right, and so there's all kinds of times where we get into things in our lives. We're spending much too much time on this, but uh, (laughs) there's lots of times we get into situations where our our, our the pressures and the feelings and the stresses make us feel like, okay, I got to do this. That's called being reactive. You don't have to react to everything that happens. You are called to stand. Paul said, "When having done all, to stand." Stand, therefore. Stand in what? On the word of God, in the truth, with the armor of God on. And so there's going to be pressure to make you want to react. Don't fall into the pressure, and don't blame God. You know, I remember one situation where a guy said to Pastor Robin, and he's like, well, God told me I need to do this with this business, and we both knew in our hearts in that moment that was not God. But do you think they could be convinced otherwise? No, because their flesh wanted to go in that direction. And, of course, that business failed. So it was like you don't attribute the pressures to the will of God. No, the Lord leads in peace. Come on. The Lord leads in peace. You can weigh your options and follow after peace. Jesus said, my peace I leave with you, not as the world gives, but as I give to you. And it says that the peace of God, it will guard your heart and your mind. It'll guard those thoughts, those precious things, and be like, no, 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 no. That's not how I've called you. But the word of God will never violate the will of God. And so Paul, in verse number 9, he begins to pray for them. And he says, for this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we don't cease to pray for you. And we ask that you may be filled with all the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. We told you last week that that's not talking about natural wisdom. It's talking about spiritual wisdom, which Paul says, you compare spiritual things to spiritual. We're not talking about the ways of man's wisdom. And that's important because there's going to be times, I've had so many in my, in my life, and I know you will as well, where it's like, naturally, this is what I should do. This, if I was going naturally alone alone, This is what I should do. And then the Holy Spirit said, yes, but I'm asking you to do this. And man, it's always been good when I went, okay, versus doing what I know to do. Now, if you know what to do and the Holy Spirit is in agreement with that, do it. It's when they conflict where you have a choice. Where there's natural understanding. This is what I would do if I was just purely a natural man. But you're not. You're not. You are spirit just like God is spirit. And he leads you by his spirit into spiritual things which he's prepared for you. And so there'll be times where they agree and times where they don't. You have to trust that his spiritual wisdom and understanding will supersede the situation. And so he says, God, fill them with all the knowledge of your will, in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. And that's where we've been for the last three weeks. And there's a reason why Paul prayed that. And what we see in the next few verses of this prayer that Paul is praying for the church at Colossae is the results... Of being filled with the will of God, following after the will of God, standing in the perfect will of God, we see what happens to one. Because in a prayer, we also we see the intention and the heart of Paul, but then we also see the expectations that they should have. Come on, when you pray, you should have an expectation that something changed when you prayed. Come on, what did John say? John said that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, we know that we have the petitions that we've desired of Him. So when we pray according to the will of God, there should be an expectation of reception. There should be a change from the prayer on. And so as Paul prays, fill him with the knowledge of your will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding so that this can happen. And so what we see that is coming is what Paul expects to happen to people who know the will of God and choose to walk in it. And the first thing that he says, he says that, or because of the will of God, you may walk worthy of the Lord. And so Paul's expectation was, if you know the will of God and you choose to step into it, it'll cause you to walk differently, talk differently, look differently than if you had been outside of the will of God. There should be a no noticeable difference in Christians who choose to follow after God, who ch- rather than just use God as an addition to their life. God is not an addition. He either becomes your whole life, and he'll bless and overflow you, or he's just an addition, and you rob it of all the power that you may think it seemed to have. He says when you're filled with the will of God, it'll change the way you walk. It'll cause you to walk worthy of the Lord, and that word worthy is the word axios, Which means suitably or in a worthy manner, meaning worthy or suitably of the station in which you stand. What's that? I am a son of God. You are sons and daughters of God. We walk like sons and daughters of the God who created all the universe, who has reigned victorious over all. And you become an overcomer more than a conqueror because of who Jesus is and what he's done and who you are in relation to him. It changes the way you walk and you talk. We stop talking doubt and unbelief. We stop talking defeat on every turn. We stop talking worry and anxiety and we start talking the language that the Bible has. That I am more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. I always triumph in him. I always win. We start putting the word on our mouth and we talk and walk differently. You know, I was, I was thinking about this in reflection to how I've been raising my children and how many times it's come up when certain situations where we say to them, No, we don't do that. And it's important when you're raising your children that you set those boundaries. Because there's things that are, you know, somewhat cute when children do them. Oh, that's a little bit naughty, but we laugh at it. Yeah, that's cute in children, not in adults. And if it's not corrected as a child, it'll flow into bad adults who don't know their boundaries. And so I was thinking about that, and a story popped up uh, a little while ago our oldest got into a little scuffle at school where he decided, I don't know why, <laughs> that he was going to egg on an older student several grades ahead. And he, he took his hat and he ran away with it and he was thinking, oh, this is fun, this is fun. The other kid did not. And when he caught him, he beat him up. And it was like, rightly so. You've messed with somebody you shouldn't have and everything. And so we were telling him, like, you know, that's not how we behave. But that's not the point of the story. When his younger brother found out about it, he said, oh, I'm going to go get his friends, and we're going to go beat him up. (laughs) And we said to him, we said, no, you're going to take the high road. Harrison was in the wrong. He shouldn't have done it. And he said, well, some of us are going to take the low road. (laughs) And we said, no, that's not how we act. That's not what we do. And that's not how our walk is going to look. We're not going to pay hurt for hurt. You know, we're going to forgive and we're going to move on. You know, so the will of God will lead you into a place where you walk worthy of the Lord. You know, the the book of Corinthians says this, in 2 Corinthians 5, that now then we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. An ambassador is someone who represents the will and the wishes of another. When a country sends an ambassador to another country, that person goes to represent what the country that sent them Wants and wishes. They don't go and say, oh yeah, you should go to war with my country. You know, they, they don't stir the pot. They, they, go, they, they hold themselves in restraint and say, no, here is the wishes. This is what we, that's, we are those ambassadors to this world. You are the only Christ that some people will ever see. You are the only Bible that some people will ever read. And so it needs to become, like Paul said, we become living epistles before them. Amen. In Ephesians chapter 4, we said that Ephesians is Colossians' twin epistle. In verse 1, it says, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling which you were called. With all lowliness, and that doesn't mean like, oh, I'm such a worm. It means with humility. It means I submit myself under the Lord. And with gentleness. I don't need to be rash. I don't need to make snap decisions. No, I let the patience of God Let level me down and hold me so that I'm not lashing out in ways that I don't need to. And it says, with long-suffering, bearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. More Christians need to think of that statement. Let's keep unity amongst the body of Christ. Let's keep unity in the church, keeping the bond of peace. You know, some people just come into the churches just to stir things up. And then they move on to the next one, and they stir things up. And they have the mentality, well, the grass is greener somewhere else. i got to move on. No, you need to let yourself be transformed and stop stirring the pot from place to place. If every place is a problem, it's not the problem. You're the problem. If everyone else has got to work on themselves, no, no, no. you got to work on yourself. Amen? In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, Paul says this of himself. He's talking to the Thessalonians, and he says, You are witnesses, and God also, of how devoutly and justly and blamelessly we behaved ourselves among you who believe. So Paul's saying, guys, remember how we acted when we were with you. And he says, as you know how we exhorted and we comforted, and we charged every one of you as a father does his own children. Come on, he didn't beat his sheep, he didn't abuse them, he didn't didn't provoke them to wrath. He said, "I exhorted you, I comforted you, and I acted like a father among you." And he says that you would walk worthy of God, who calls you into His own kingdom and glory. And so walking in the will of God will change the way you walk. It'll change the way you talk. It'll change what you settle for. If the word of God says this is what God has given to his children, why are we settling for less? If he says, I am the Lord who heals all of your diseases, why are we settling for sickness? If he says that he'll all supply all of our needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus and glory, why are we settling for poverty and less? Come on. We settle for what the word says about us, not what the world has trained us to settle for. It changes the way we walk, the way we talk, and what we settle for. So he says that you may walk worthy of the Lord, and it says fully pleasing him. Now, that's not a statement saying that God expects you to do everything perfect in every situation, then he can be happy with you. No, the Lord is already happy with you. But this pleasure that he's talking about is related to Hebrews 11.6. It says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. What is faith? Faith is birthed in a heart of one who responds to the authoritative word of God. Faith springs out when the word, which is his will, is presented to you, faith says, okay, then that's how it is, and steps into it, and God goes, yes, they took me at my word, now they, they're they standing where they need to be, so I can get what they need to them, and so it says he walks worthy, and that walking of worthiness is fully pleasing to him, it puts a smile on his face, come on, I enjoy when my children listen to the instructions. When I'm training them up and I'm telling them, this is what we got to do. You know, the other day, I won't say which one, but we were going out to do something. And I said, okay, you need to go do these things and get, get this ready to go. And, and that's just the normal procedure that they would have to go do that night. But we were heading somewhere that was going to be really good, exciting for them. And when I came back 50 minutes later, they hadn't moved. And I was like, great, now we don't have time to do the thing we were going to go do. They didn't realize they had robbed themselves of a blessing by not getting themselves to the place that they needed to be. And as Christians, we go, oh, God, why, why, why? And he's like, you didn't move. You didn't prepare. I said I would overflow you with blessing, and you didn't prepare for it. You didn't move yourself. You didn't get to a place where you were ready to receive the things that I prepared for you. And it says, fully pleasing to him, and it causes you being fruitful in every good work. Think about that. To be fruitful in every good work. You know, I'll be honest, I've not got to the place where I'm fruitful in everything that I do, but I'm more fruitful than I used to be. And I I believe we all go through that process of learning to listen and to follow a little better. And the more we listen and the more we are in line with the Word of God, fruitfulness just begins to flow. Why? Fruitfulness is a product of being where you're supposed to be and what you're supposed to be. In John chapter 15, Jesus uses the example. He says, I am the vine and you're the branches. And if you abide in me and I in you, you'll bear much fruit. Why? Because a branch needs to be connected. And if a branch is disconnected... It doesn't have the life and the nutrients flowing to it. And when it does, what just naturally happens? Fruit. The branch doesn't sit there going, must prepare fruit, must build fruit, must grow fruit, must... No. When it's connected, it just flows. It just grows. And so Jesus said, if you abide in me and I in you, you'll bear much fruit. So, the will of God comes first. It causes us to walk worthy, fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good work, and, everyone say and, meaning these two things go together, fruitfulness in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. You know, if you don't learn the basics, you'll never understand the more complicated things. That's why in our schools, Each year, they need to learn certain aspects, right? So that the next year, the teacher can then build upon those things. If we don't learn the basics or learn what is needed in our season of preparation, there's no foundation for the next block of learning to be placed upon. And it's the same way with the will of God. He knows what you can handle and when you can handle it. And I'm sorry to our woke culture, he just does not pass people along. If you don't learn it, you don't move along. Come on. That doesn't help you at all. When he knows that you know and can stand in what you know, he'll teach you what's next. He'll build upon it, and that knowledge is increasing over and over. Let's think about Matthew chapter 25, where Jesus tells the parable of the talents. What did he do? He gave five talents to one, two talents to another, and one talent to the last. And it says, according to their ability, meaning he knew what they could handle and what they couldn't. And so the guy who got five talents, he went and he invested it, and he made five more, so now he has ten. The guy who had two, he went and he did something with it, and now he has four. The guy he gave one, dug a hole in the ground, and he buried it and hid it, and he said this about his master. He said, "'Cause I knew you were a cruel and wicked master, and you reaped where you have not sown, so I hid it in the ground. Here's your talent.'" And the first two guys, the master said to them, well done, good and faithful servant. You took what you had been given and you did something with it. What did he say about the one who did nothing? You wicked and slothful servant. And what he did is he took that one talent that that guy had and he gave it to the guy who now had ten. And well, how is that fair? Life ain't fair. <laughs> it isn't. Life is not fair. And this is what he said when he gave it to that other man. He said, for to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have abundance. But from he who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. When we try to protect and say, I don't want to grow, I don't want to learn because I'm comfortable, even what you have will be taken away. The only way forward is to learn to grow, walk in the will of God. We become fruitful, and we increase in the knowledge of God. Amen? Amen? And as we keep following the chain down, it says from there, we are strengthened with all might according to His glorious power. And so as we follow through on these things, it's interesting how your strength increases. You know, I've been getting uh, my two oldest, we're out in the gym each, each day, and we're, we're teaching them now how to lift weights. And, and Harrison was complaining the other day about how his legs hurt from his squats. And I said, good, you're growing. He's like, but it hurts. I'm like, yes, that's your muscles being broken down so that they can now carry a heavier load. The strength was increasing so that next time he hits it, he's going to go farther. He's going to lift more. He's prepared. And that's exactly what happens each time we choose to step out into the will of God and follow after his word. We learn to be stronger and to go further. And so you may say, well, yet you have a little strength right now. That's okay. That's okay. See it through, and strength will increase, not according to your ability, but according to His glorious power. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. Come on, and He will sustain you, and He will increase strength for you as you walk out His will in your life. Amen? You know, we often quote, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, and we shorten it down to, I can do all things. No, you can't. You cannot do all things. And we should stop lying to our children saying, you can be whatever you want to be. No, I could not be a prima ballerina. <laughs> I can't do it. That's not within my giftings and my talents. We should discover our children's talents and giftings by exposing them to different things. And when you discover what they're good at, push in and go like, okay, now let's, let's level into that. You can't be whatever you want to be. You can be what God has created you and called you to be. And so when we say, I can do all things, yes, through Christ who strengthens me, which means I'm going to be walking with him, I'm going to be listening to him, and as I'm with him and working, strength flows because he's teaching me and he's growing me. In the twin epistle of Ephesians, Paul prayed this in his prayer in the first chapter. He said to them, that you may know what is the exceeding greatness of his power, that you would know. What is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who, say that Lex word, believe. believe. What is believing? It's the word pisteo. It means your faith in action. Not your faith on the couch. Not your faith dormant. It's faith in action. There's an exceeding greatness of power to, towards those who are stepping out on the water. Isn't that what Peter did? Jesus comes walking on the water and he says, if it's you, Lord, bid me to come. Jesus just said, come. So Peter got out on the water and he started going. There was an exceeding greatness of power available to him because he believed and he stepped out on the water on the word of Jesus just saying, come. He didn't say, okay, Peter, this is the 10 steps of how to walk on the water. He just said, come, come out to me, be with me. And Peter walked on the water. There's an exceeding greatness of power towards us who believe, which is according to the working of His mighty power, which He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead. And He seated Him at His own right hand in the Father. That's a lot of power available to you. That's the power that hit the grave, raised the dead, transformed His body into a heavenly body, raised Him up and sat Him down on the right hand of the Father. That's the power that we are enabled to walk in when we say, God, I believe what your word says. I believe that's the will of God for me, and I'm going to walk into that. Amen? Amen. Back to Colossians. Let's keep following the chain. And so as we're strengthened with all might, it says, "Then next that we begin to give thanks to the Father who has qualified us. Think about that. The more you step into the things of God, it's like, Whoo, this is good. Thank you, God. You know, I think yesterday Pastor Robin said at uh, men's breakfast, he says, oh, I'm still amazed of, of the things that God can do and the things that he's done in my life. Yes, when you begin to experience, go, thank you, Jesus. Let there be thanksgiving. You know, just like we go back two weeks ago where Paul said, what is the will of God for you? Give thanks always. Give thanks always, for this is the will of God for you. And so it says as we follow this chain, there's just thanksgiving begins to flow out to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers in the inheritance and the saints and the light. It says to be a partaker. Not a possessor, a partaker, because you can have something and not use it. But a partaker is someone who has it and says, fine, I'm going to go ahead and use what I've got. And that's what happens as we begin to walk down this chain that starts with the will of God. We begin to partake of the things that he's called us to and prepared for us. And those blessings that are available to us because of Christ Jesus. We are partakers of the inheritance. Back to Paul's prayer for the Ephesians that lines right up with this. He says that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. You have an inheritance from Jesus. The Bible says you are joint heirs together with him. Guess what? He's partaking. Come on. He has partaken. He's been raised to new life and he sat down on the right hand of the Father. Jesus isn't lacking. Jesus isn't sick. And John said, As he is, so are we in this world. Not in the sweet by and by, one day when I get to glory. No, right here on this earth, I've been empowered. There's an inheritance for me to partake of. Amen? Yeah. And it says in verse 13: And he has delivered us from the power of darkness, and he's conveyed us into the kingdom of his Son, the Son of his love. He has delivered us from the power of darkness. He has. Not that he will, and not that he is. He has. It's not a present tense reality. It's not a future tense reality. It's a past tense reality. The devil's not your problem. He's defeated, and you've been delivered from his power. The only way he can have power over you is if you submit yourself unto him. What does the Bible say, though? Submit yourself to God, resist the devil, And he'll flee. And so he has delivered us from the power of darkness. And he has conveyed us or translated us or the better way is just put us into the kingdom of his son. The son of his love. And from this moment in Colossians, the prayer begins to change. We've reached the end of where the will of God chain was going through that prayer when he hit Jesus, the son of his love. You can't help but begin to pray without getting back to Jesus and being like, Oh my goodness, he's so awesome. And he says he's the son of his love. And what we see in the next few verses here of Colossians, which we'll begin to look at now, and next week is what's called Christology. Paul's Christology, which is his theology about Christ. About Jesus. Why Why is that important? Because there's a lot of stupid lies out there about what Jesus is and who he is and what he's done. You know, I was listening to one guy the other day. He's like, well, Jesus wasn't the son of God. No, he was just someone that God gave the divine name to represent him. Hogwash. Somebody should go back and tell Paul that because he's about to tell you exactly who Jesus is and what he has done for you. And it all started with he was the son of his love. And that harkens back to John 3.16. For God so loved the world, which is you, that he gave Jesus on your behalf that whoever would believe upon him would be saved, not condemned. And so he is the son of his love. And it says, In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin. You have been redeemed. By the blood of Jesus, and you are forgiven to the fullest extent. Because every sin you would ever commit in your life was future tense when Jesus died for you. Everything has been put under the blood. And when we get to chapter 2, Paul's going to go into a little bit deeper into that. Just how far forgiven you are. But it says, in whom we have redemption. Redemption isn't much of a word that we would use in our society. So here's a really good example. You ready? Just about uh, 10, 15 years ago, reality t- television began to be on the rise. And there was this, this show that was popular for a season uh, called Extreme Couponing. And you would follow these people who they would go through the, 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 all of the different uh, newspapers and things, and they would get coupons. And they would go to the store, and they would fill up, like, multiple carts. And it'd be like, they'd ring it through, deen, 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 and you'd get it, and be like, $10,000 or whatever. And then the person would be like, nope, nope here's my coupons, and they begin to redeem the coupons, and they would scan them, scan them, scan them, scan them, and it'd be like beep, be beep beep, 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 and you'd watch that $10,000, $9,000, $8,000, $6,000, $5,000, $4,000, $3,000, $1,000, $50, $10, 30 and they'd be like, Here's your 30 cents. Well, when Jesus redeemed you, he went all the way to zero. There is nothing that you owe. There's nothing that is against you because he's fully redeemed you. He's put everything that the kingdom of God had to offer. He scanned it through on your account, and then he said, it is paid for. You've been redeemed. I've given you the kingdom. I gave you everything that I have, the best that heaven had to offer. Here, it's yours, and it's paid for by my blood. And that's just a glimpse of what Paul had to say about who Jesus is and what he's done for you. But I think that's a good landing spot for today. You know, man, Jesus has done everything that was needed. Our job is just to be like, I believe you, I step into that will that you've called me to amen father we thank you for your word we honor it here this morning we thank you for what you've said about us and thank you for what jesus has done for us we are so blessed to be your sons and your daughters and we thank you for it in jesus name we thank you father In just a moment, our Word Care team is going to be up here at the front, and they would love to believe and stand with you and enforce that inheritance that has been given out on your behalf, that you can have everything that Jesus said you could have, and they would love to stand with you and believe with you and agree with you, celebrate with you, testify with you, whatever it is you need. Come on, go ahead and avail yourself on them in just a few minutes. Amen? Well, Pastor Robin, it's your turn.
1: Oh well, glory be to God. <laughs> it's offering time. That's one way you can give. There's an envelope in the in the seat and there's a basket at the back and and glory be to God. I'm going to look at this scripture. I want to show you what God's attitude is towards us. And in Psalm 35:27, let them shout for joy and be glad who favor my righteous cause and let them say continually Let the Lord be magnified, who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. And then, and my tongue shall speak of your righteousness and of your praise all the day long. We believe that you need to speak to your seed. We believe you need to speak to your harvest. That is watering it. That is, uh, it's been planted. It needs to be watered. It needs to be received. Amen. And it's your voice, because you have a prophetic voice that speaks to that and says that very thing. And we can say that, Father, thank you. You have pleasure in my prosperity. Amen? Amen. That's his will. That's his will. That's easy to understand. He made it very clear. Amen? Amen. So, Father, we do thank you for the opportunity we have to participate in kingdom things. And, Father, we thank you that as we are obedient to what you've asked us to do, Father, you will have pleasure within us, and Father, you will prosper us in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. So if you do want prayer, the word care team will be up here in just a second, and we will love to minister to you and with you.